0: Hello and greetings, friends. It is the weekend of Sunday, May the 21st. I hope that you and yours are doing well. We're going to continue in our look, in our study of the book of James. And today we're going to look at James chapter 1, verses 2 through 11. Now, John Wesley was a great preacher But not everybody, of course, liked him. And there's a story that says that one day, as Mr. Wesley was out walking, he was on a narrow path when he met a man who didn't like him. Well, one of the men would have to step aside to allow the other to pass. And the man came just charging right ahead, saying, I never make way for fools. John quickly stepped aside, saying, I always do. One of the most common questions through the years has been, if God is real, why do people still have to suffer? So we have to try to explain that suffering is what part of what it means to be a believer, to be a Christian. But while the world takes pity on itself and and goes into victim mentality, the scripture shows us how Jesus, and, and only through Jesus, can turn us from being victims into people who are victorious. And that's what James is going to share with us today. No matter what we're dealing with, whether it's trials on the outside or temptations on the inside, James is going to tell us that through faith in God and through Jesus Christ, we can experience victory. But for Christians to turn tears of despair into tears of joy, there are a couple of things, about four things, that we need to obey. And they're found in James chapter 1, verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Now notice that James doesn't say if, but he says when. In other words, we can just count on it. Christians must expect trials. Jesus himself said in John chapter 16, verse 33, I have told you this so that in me you may have peace, and in the world you will have trouble. But be courageous. I have overcome the world. Some trials come simply because we're human, we're people. And these would be things uh, as the result of living in a fallen world, accidents, sickness, disappointment, and even death. But other trials come because we are believers. And Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, Dear friends, do not be surprised by the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. Paul also tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, Indeed, all who want to live a godly life in union with Jesus will be persecuted. And so, because Satan fights us and the world opposes us, we can expect trials. But how are we supposed to respond to these trials? Well, James says, to count it all joy. In Acts chapter 5, when the apostles were pulled in to stand before the council after being flogged, the scripture says in Acts chapter 5, verse 41, they left the council rejoicing to have been considered worthy to suffer dishonor for the sake of the name. So the first step, the first step in the journey of maturity, of turning our tears of despair into tears of joy, is to immediately thank the Lord and to adopt a joyful attitude? Well, again, we could ask the question. We all would ask the question, well, how on earth can we do that? Is it really possible to rejoice in the midst of trials? Well, according to the scripture, it is. James says in the next verse, James 1, 3, 4, you know that when your faith succeeds in facing such trials, the result is the ability to endure. James says that if believers, as, as, as believers, that we have, if we have the right knowledge concerning the value of the trial, it makes it possible to have a joyful attitude. So when we finally understand that trials test our faith, then we can know that the testing of our faith actually brings the best out in us. It's what Peter's point in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, so that the genuineness of your faith, which is more valuable than gold that perishes when it's tested by fire, may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And what James is telling us today is that we can have joy in our trials because we know that testing works for us, not against us. Paul says in uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 17 this light temporary nature of our suffering is producing for us eternal weight of glory far beyond any comparison just like we we looked at last time James and Paul are both telling us what tr- that trials help us become mature and secondly Because when our faith is tested, it produces patience. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 4. Not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. In the Bible, in the Scriptures, patience is not a passive acceptance of circumstance. The Greek word for patience is is the word hupomone, and it means the ability to exist steadfastness and constancy in the face in, of the most formidable difficulty. Kind of like that word. <laughs> in other words, Christians, believers need courage and perseverance in the face of suffering. We, we need to keep on keeping on even when life is really tough and rough, even when our circumstances are difficult. And make no mistake about it, that kind of perseverance can come only through experiencing trials. And when we believers accept and understand what trials can accomplish in our lives, it's then that we can have a joyful attitude toward them. And, and please don't think, well, that's easy for James to say. We, we need to remember what James himself went through. Before James was killed for being a believer, he, he experienced sorrow. James was one of the main leaders of the Christians in Jerusalem who continually faced persecution from those outside the church. He faced daily trials internally when, with rebels associated with Judaism. He knew exactly what it meant to face various trials. But And this is important. James also learned that difficulties can produce patience. He never tells us to pretend that the trial is non-existent. We're not talking about some kind of Pollyanna view here. Instead, he wants us to recognize and rejoice that any problem can be an occasion for God to work in and through us in a way that he otherwise wouldn't have. This is what the Bible calls a testing of our faith. It calls us to believe in the goodness of God and to trust that he he is not only willing, but able to accomplish his purposes, no matter what, what happens to us. And any difficulty, whether it's great or small, is an occasion for joy. But only when we are reminded and we remind ourselves of the nature of God, who loves us and only has our best in mind. But for us to really benefit from our trials, we need to understand James's next point, James chapter one verse four, and let patience have its perfect work, that, that we may be perfect and entire, not lacking in anything. So thirdly, to truly turn tears of despair into tears of joy, we have to let patience do its work. Too often, I, I get when I get into a trial or a difficult situation or difficulty, I want it over quickly. I mean, let's be honest, we all do. But there are times when the best thing for for me to do, for us to do, is to is to bear up under the trial patiently. And so instead of grumbling and complaining, we should patiently endure the trial, doing good despite of the trial. Now, remember that James is writing to a bunch of believers, a bunch of Christians who really need to mature spiritually. And what he is saying here is that when patience has an opportunity to work, when it has the opportunity to knead out the dough of our lives, it produces maturity. When James uses the word perfect, and we've said this before, and we'll say it over and over again over these next week. When he uses the word perfect, he doesn't mean sinlessness, but he means completeness, wholeness, maturity. In the New Testament, it is used of those who have attained spiritual adulthood in Jesus. Those who have reached maturity in understanding and understanding in spiritual matters and issues. Those are Christians, those are believers who are no longer babies, immature people in Jesus. These are Christians who have had to, that maturity, which comes only when patience, patience, excuse me, has had time to work. Now, any athlete will tell you that to be a mature athlete, you have to let patience do its work. That is, Patiently training, whether it's swimming or running mile after mile or training or lifting weights, whatever. And so if we as Christians want to run the race well, spiritually speaking, then I need to develop patience. And that's only going to happen when we train spiritually. I, can't, I can only grow into spiritual maturity if I allow myself to face the trial, which tests our faith. And every one of us, every one of us here, everyone listening knows that letting patience have its perfect work is far from easy. If anything, it requires wisdom, which enables us, lets us see the value of the trial. And that brings us to the next requirement. If we want to turn tears of despair to tears of joy, James says in chapter one, verses five through eight, if any of you lacks wisdom, Let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given them. But let them ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind, for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded person, unstable in all their ways. So fourthly, James says, if we lack wisdom, ask for it from God because he has promised to give it generously. And we can't think that God is going to rebuke us for making such a request. Even Solomon's request for wisdom was well-pleasing. We can read it in 1 Kings chapter 3, 7-12. through But what exactly is wisdom? Because we need to be careful to distinguish wisdom from knowledge. Knowledge involves information, facts, etc., we have more knowledge in our hand than the supercomputers did that occupied entire buildings some 40 years ago. We have an immense capability and accessibility to knowledge. Knowledge is f- information, it's facts, where wisdom is the ability or the insight to properly use those facts quickly and in the correct way. Knowledge comes through His Word, and we need to carefully study it if we want to know the will of God. However, the wisdom to properly use His Word can be received through prayer. The wisdom to properly use trials and turn them into triumph can in the same way come through quote-unquote, proper prayer. And proper prayer is a prayer asked in faith and without doubt. And this, according to James, is the way that we can turn our tears of despair into tears of joy. First of all, it's having the knowledge and the viewpoint that difficulties can accomplish a lot of good for us as believers. Secondly, it's being patient while enduring those difficulties. Thirdly, we have to let that patience Accomplish its work. And then, fourthly, as we go through the difficult times, letting patience accomplish its work, we can use the wisdom that God gives, that only God can give, in answer to prayer to help us to put it all together. And when we finally understand these things, it's then that even trials can be seen as a source of joy for the follower of Jesus Christ. Now, James is finished talking about how we can turn our general trials into triumph, but he's not finished talking about trials. And in the next few verses, he's going to be a little more specific. He's going to talk about the trials of being poor, of being rich. You see, friends, being wealthy and poor have their own problems. But here in James, he's going to share with us the reasons to be joyous, whether we're poor or rich. In James chapter 1 verse 9, those believers who are poor must be glad when God lifts them up. James says if we are poor, then we can rejoice that we've been lifted up. Isaiah 66 verses 1 through 2, the Lord says, "Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house then Could you build for me? And what kind of place for me to live in? I myself created the whole universe. I am pleased with those who are humble and repentant and fear me and obey me. In other words, God has chosen the poor to be rich in faith. In fact, James is going to mention this a little later in James chapter 2. Listen, my dear friends, God chose the poor people of this world to be rich in faith and to possess the kingdom which he promised to those who love him. So so let me ask who was first to appear or who was first to hear the gospel? Well, Luke, chapter two, uh, excuse me, Luke, chapter four, verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has chosen me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed. And so what James is telling us here is that even if we are poor, we can still be spiritually rich. And on an equal par with all other believers, Revelation chapter 2, 8 through 9, to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, this is the message from the one who is the first and the last who died and lived again. I know your troubles. I know that you are poor, but really you are rich. I know the evil things said against you by those who claim to be Jews, but are not. They are the group that belongs to Satan. Now, not only can the poor rejoice because God has lifted them up, but if we are quote-unquote rich, then we too can rejoice because we have been humbled. Now, how how does God humble the rich? Well, simply because when they become slaves to Jesus Christ, they too were placed on an equal par with all other Christians. Riches mean nothing when we belong to Jesus. But again, we might ask, well, why is it good that, that the rich are, quote-unquote, humbled? Well, James chapter 1, 10-11 says, And the rich Christians must be glad when God brings them down, for the rich will pass away like the flower of a wild plant. The sun rises with its blazing heat and burns the plant. Its flower falls off and its beauty is destroyed. And in the same way, the rich will be destroyed while they go about their business. This is tough stuff. But in other words, the riches which the wealthy have are only temporary. And again, all of this relates back to trials, and all of this relates to maturity, to growing in Jesus. 1 Timothy chapter six seventeen says, Tell those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant and not to place their confidence in anything as uncertain as riches. Instead, let them place their confidence in God, who lavishly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now, not only are riches temporary, but they are also unable to redeem us, Psalm 49, by evil people who trust in their riches and boast of their great wealth. We can never redeem ourselves. We cannot pay God the price for our lives because the payment for human life is too great. What could we pay? What, would, what we could pay would never be enough to keep us from the grave, to let us live forever. So it doesn't matter how wealthy a person is. We can't buy our way into heaven. And when Paul writes to his young friend, Timothy, he reminds the the rich that the love of money can be a trap and is a source of self-inflicted injuries. In other words, James is telling us that it's good that people who come to Jesus Christ find these things out now. And why is it good? Well, simply because we might have made that same mistake that many people make in thinking that money and that power and prestige provides true security. So even the trials of poverty or the trials of wealth, there can be a cause for rejoicing because Jesus is always the great equalizer. Exalting the poor who are rich in faith, humbling the wealthy by basing their salvation not on wealth, on what they have, but on, which, on those things that can't be bought. The blood of Jesus and the obedience of a humble and contrite spirit. So may God bless us all as we allow him to turn our tears of despair into tears of joy. We'll leave you with the inspired words of a man, the Holy Spirit inspired words of a man who knew exactly what we're talking about today. This is Paul writing to the church at Philippi, Philippians chapter four, verses 11 through 13. I'm not saying this because I am in any need. For I have learned to be content in whatever situation I am in. I know how to be humble, and I know how to prosper. In each and every situation, I have learned the secret of being full and of going hungry, of having too much and of having too little. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Nevertheless, it was kind of you to share my troubles. Amen.